Well, good morning, church. The words they declared for us in music is so true that you are the only one who can put us back together again. As we begin this sermon series on wisdom in the wilderness, no matter where you find yourself today, God has the power to deliver you. God has the power to rescue you. Now, they've got me hitting leadoff in the sermon series, and so we're going to just barely get into uh, Matthew's chapter 4, which is where most of our series will take place. If you're able, would you stand as we read God's Word together? From Matthew 4, 1 through 2, Then Jesus was led up into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he was hungry. And then from Deuteronomy chapter 8, you must remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you suffer hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word has been declared. Your word has been recorded. And Father God, as we... Speak your word today. May your word be the source of life to us. May your word provide the illumination we need as we wander in the wilderness. And Father, for that person here today or listening online that feels lost, without hope, may your words set them free. May your words guide them to your truth. And Father God, for those here today and listening who are hungry, may you satisfy our hunger. Lord, speak to us now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this morning, I want to begin by defining the wilderness. We think of the wilderness perhaps as some national park somewhere that we can go and hike and follow the trails and make sure we don't get lost. Certainly one of our favorite places in the U.S. is to go to Wyoming, and, and there's some very wild places in Wyoming where you don't want to get lost in the wilderness. You know, one of my scariest times in, 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 in Wyoming was on horseback uh, on a mule deer hunt and our horses were walking in grizzly bear tracks. I didn't think that was a good idea, uh, but my guide convinced me they were going the other way and we were going this way. But uh, it can be a bad place, the wilderness. It can be a physical place. But the wilderness can also be a place caused by circumstances. And for most of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, the wilderness can be a spiritual place a place where life can become dry and dark. The wilderness is an undesirable place. It's an unpleasant place. It can certainly be an uncomfortable place. 
The wilderness is a place of testing, a place for trials and tribulation, but also the wilderness is a place for teaching and transition and transformation. As I worked on this message this week, knowing that you would be here this morning listening, there are many parts of our world today that is in the middle of a wilderness. Certainly, our prayers have been for the brothers and sisters in the church in Ukraine, believers who want to be able to worship in their church on Sunday without the threat of a bomb or a missile. We want to continue to pray for the brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world, but especially in Ukraine. As I also write this, wrote this sermon and bring it to you today, I do so with a heavy heart because I look, as I look at the Old Testament and I see that much of the time the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness because of their rebellion against God. And it deeply troubles me that here in this country, so much of our citizens have rebelled against the very things of God, and we wonder why we find ourselves in a wilderness, why we find ourselves struggling to make sense of things because we've abandoned our belief that God is the source of truth and God wants to guide us in life. And then as I write this sermon and bring it to you, I do so from a place of wilderness myself as a pastor in the United Methodist Church. Knowing that we have delayed our annual global gathering since 2020, and now we've been, been announced just this week that we're going to delay it to 2024. Exactly. A groan because that means I may have to be in the wilderness longer than I want to be in the wilderness. <laughs> but yet I know that God is faithful and God will make a way. And God is always making a way through the wilderness. So the word wilderness occurs over 300 times in the Bible. The first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, mostly occurred in the wilderness. The wilderness is a place of God's provision in times of struggle and grumbling. During 40 years of wandering in the desert, the, the Israelites were tested by the Lord, but also witnessed the glory of the Lord. It is my prayer that in places like Ukraine, that people will see the glory of the Lord. It is my prayer that in this, in this country of ours, through a time of great awakening, spiritual awakening, that we will again see the glory of the Lord. Amen? Amen. It is my prayer that even as United Methodists or as part of a Methodist movement, we too will see the glory of the Lord even in the wilderness. Now, this wilderness is a place of danger. It's a place of isolation. It's a place of shortage, a place of scarcity, of food and water, the things that we think we need to survive, but it's also a place of divine deliverance. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus, following his baptism, was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. 
And it says he was hungry. It says he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And during this sermon series, we'll spend most of our time with Jesus in the wilderness. The wilderness is a lonely place. It's where Jesus would sometimes go to be alone. He would choose to go to the wilderness to be alone with his father, away from the distractions of the crowd, where he could pray and refocus. In Mark, we read, a great while before day, Jesus rose and went out to a lonely place, the wilderness, and there he prayed. As I read through the Old Testament, the children of Israel were led through the wilderness by Moses into the promised land. In the New Testament, Jesus is the good shepherd who shows us this morning how to navigate the wilderness. So we've got a guide. We've got someone who has been tempted and tested in every way like us, yet without sin. So let us come to him boldly to help us navigate the wildernesses we find ourselves in. So what are the reasons for wilderness? Now for Jesus... It was, he was led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. For Jesus, it was getting away from the distractions. For Jesus, it was where he wrestled with evil. And I believe for Jesus, the wilderness is where he fully committed himself to God's mission. And sometimes for us to fully understand what is our purpose on the planet for God, we have to be led by the Spirit into the wilderness where we finally figure out that it is only by God's help and God's grace and God's power and God's provision that I can accomplish what God wants me to accomplish. Now, for us here this morning, listening this morning, our wilderness, wilderness experiences are not the same. And we need to understand why we're in the wilderness to know how we should respond in the wilderness. And sometimes... We find ourselves in the wilderness because of self-induced bad decisions. We choose poorly. We make the wrong choice. We rebel against God and we find ourselves in a dark place, lost in the wilderness. And unlike Jesus in the wilderness, we don't handle our temptations very well. And in fact, our temptations can keep us in the wilderness much longer then God intended us to be there because we don't look to him for strength. Now, you may be here this morning listening and you just arrived in the wilderness. You have stumbled off the path that God had for your life and maybe you just got there. And again, how long you stay will depend on how you respond to your mistakes. Some of you listening this morning have been there for a long time and you can't find your way out of the wilderness. You will not say no to the things of this world. Now, when the Israelites rebelled against God, he multiplied their years in the wilderness. Why did he multiply their years? Because they lived in opposition to his will. They fought against his will. They rejected his will. And so they stayed in the wilderness. Now, this morning, I would tell you that when you live your life in opposition to God's will, it's exhausting. It'll wear you out to live in opposition to the will of God. Well, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. It'll wear you out. And if you're not careful, the wilderness that you've wandered into 
will become a wasteland for you. You will waste your life living in the wilderness, thinking that you're finding life, but really only finding death. Different reasons that we find ourselves in the wilderness. Sometimes the wilderness can be caused by others and their choices, and they put us in a dark place. Things happen beyond our control. And thanks be to God that we are finally coming out of the wilderness called COVID. Amen? Amen. You know, I don't know if it's coming out of the COVID wilderness that we have a large crowd here today or because we brought back bulletins. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you all didn't know we were going to bring back bulletins, so it can't be that. Anxiety, depression, isolation, fear, grief has created a parallel pandemic wilderness. And there are people that are stuck there. There are people that have shifted their their focus in life because of COVID. And I want to encourage people. We want to encourage people to come out of the COVID wilderness and get back to church. Can we say amen to that? Now, there there are good things that have come from COVID. Believe it or not, there are some good things. One is we have created a wonderful virtual online audience and online audience. We're really glad you're with us here today. And, and some of you are, I'm just guessing, aren't watching online today because of COVID. It's probably because it was 25 degrees to this morning. You said, hey, <laughs> it's cold out there and I'm not going to get out today. Um, but just remember that when it's 90 degrees, you can't use that cold excuse, right? So you're here today. But I, we just know it's the evil one wants to keep us as Christians in isolation. And and there's nothing like being in God's house to be in the presence of the joy of the Lord. And and, and you can't help but hear those children sing. And it's not just their singing. It was their expressions and it was their hearts. It was the smiles that trickled across the room. You can't see that online. You miss that spirit online. Now, I'm, I'm thankful for the online ministry. It's going to grow and expand it's going to make a big impact uh, in, in places way beyond Lexington. So I'm thankful for that. But if you're here in the area, it's time to come home. Amen? And, and, and let's leave the wilderness behind. Let's leave the isolation behind. Let's leave the fear behind. And let's be back in the house of the Lord. The Lord is honored when we do that. He's not leading us away from the house. He wants us here to be together. Now, Sometimes we are led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. That God's Spirit leads you into the wilderness to prepare you for what is next in your life. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know when the Holy Spirit leads you into the wilderness place, it's not to harm you. It's to help you. It's not to harm you. It is to form you. It is to shape you into the person that God wants you to be. It's where we become more like Jesus and less like me in the wilderness. And I want you to know that whenever the Spirit leads you into the wilderness, you're not lost. You're right where he wants you to be. Jesus was never lost in the wilderness. He was exactly where God wanted him to be. So why do we need wisdom in the wilderness Because sometimes for us, the wilderness feels like a puzzle. 
rather than a purpose. And God wants you to know his purpose. It's not to keep you confused. He wants you to understand what he's trying to teach you, what's next in your life. And, and, and this I want to say, if, if your rebellion has led you into the wilderness or if someone else has caused you to be in the wilderness, God has the power to redeem you. God has the power to change you. And I love these words from, that Joseph spoke from the Old Testament, whose brothers had left him in the wilderness and then sold him into slavery in the wilderness. And he said these words at the end, when, the, when God's mission was revealed, after 13 years in the wilderness, he said this, what you meant for evil, God has used for good. There will be people who do bad things to you. And it may send you into the wilderness, but that's not what God intended. God is going to bring good from what was intended for evil. God is going to bring good from this crazy COVID wilderness. I believe that. God is going to bring good to a people called Methodist. I believe that. Pray for me, okay? Pray for me. Now, let me give you some misconceptions about the wilderness. The first is the most important. In the wilderness, you are not alone. God will not abandon you in the wilderness. You may not feel God's presence. You may not audibly hear God's voice. But just because God is distant does not mean he is distant. The invisible reality of God is a biblical reality. God is everywhere. Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Lack of appearance does not mean lack of presence. God is with you wherever you are this morning. God is with his people every step in the wilderness. And I want you to know this morning, if you are battling disease, that God is with you in the infusion center, that God is with you in the grief, that God is with you when you go to counseling, that God is with you in your isolation, that God is with you even in your depression, that he is walking with you just like he walked with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. He is with you in the fiery furnaces of life. He is with you just like he sent an angel to be with Daniel in the lion's den. He is with you just like he sent angels to tend to Jesus in the wilderness. He is with you and he's with me. Now also know this, that the evil one hangs out in the wilderness. And the goal of the evil one is to convince you that the wilderness is too difficult and that God made a mistake by sending you there or by allowing, leading you there if he led you there. Or he can say to you that if he led you there, evil led you in the wilderness, this is where you need to be. You see the, see the, see the, the confusion there? That if God led you there, the evil one would say, you don't need to be here. But if he led you here, he wants you to stay there and never discover God's purpose for your life. One of the challenges of living in a Western culture of plenty because in the Old Testament, God used the wilderness as a place to cause the people to get hungry. We don't get hungry very often in our culture because we live in the land of plenty. And so therefore, when things get a little tough in this culture, this Western culture, 
that we live in, then we abandon God. When things get too hard to believe, we give up believing in God. When, when it gets too unpopular to follow God, we just stop following God. When we start getting social media people coming after us because we say we're Christian, we just, we just unplug. In the Western world, it's much easier to rebel and abandon your faith. And when God doesn't do what we ask him to do, we just give up. When God does something that's hard for us to understand, we just say, I don't believe in God anymore. I've been reading an excellent book by a professor of philosophy at Asbury Seminary named Joseph Okello. Joseph Okello is a brilliant philosopher from Kenya. And he contrasts the difference between Western culture and African culture when it comes to faith. He says in the West... When things get really hard, we run from God. Yet in the African culture, in the middle of immense poverty, immense scarcity of food, people run to God. They don't blame God. They run to God as their source of strength. Now, I would say to you this morning, and I'll say this to us as parts of this ministry and parts of being citizens in this country and parts of being part of a Methodist denomination, the wilderness will either define you or it'll destroy you. The wilderness will define us and shape us to be the people that God wants us to be or it will destroy us. And it's my prayer that we will allow the Holy Spirit to use the wilderness to shape us, to define us, to set us free from ourselves to be the people that God wants us to be. So the wilderness is not a wasteland, but a workshop. It's not a wasteland, but a workshop. It's where God works on us. doesn't need to be a waste of space, a waste of time. Jeremiah says it this way, Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. I love that statement. The people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness when I went to give Israel rest. The Lord has appeared to him from afar, saying, Indeed, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you, and you will be built, O virgin of Israel. The wilderness is a place of grace. The ultimate purpose that God has in the wilderness is redemption. He wants to redeem you in the wilderness, to learn to live in his presence, his power, his provision. It's a place a preparation. It's a place where God is getting you ready for what happens next. It's a place of revelation where God reveals to you his purpose, his plan. There are some of you in the room listening today or online listening that you're not sure what God has next for you in your life. Perhaps you're in between jobs or you're in between careers or you're in between relationships or you're in between, in between being a faithful follower and now not so faithful the wilderness is where you discover that God does have a purpose and that God does have a plan and that God does love you and God has never given up on you and God has never forsaken you and that God will make a way for you. And God has got you listening today for a reason. It is his word to you in the wilderness. It's a place of transformation. It's a workshop. 
Now, how many of you, when you find out you got to go to a workshop, you, you, you immediately see how long is it going to last, right? I, I know it starts on Monday at 9, but when do we get out? And when are the lunch breaks, right? I mean, I mean, as soon as we get out at 3, maybe I could leave at 2.30, right? You know, if I could get out, maybe, maybe I'll just skip, you know, I mean, I'm already plotting, you know, hey, um, this thing gets over at 3. How about give me a call at 1 and say that there's someone who needs to see you? You know what I mean? I got to have an escape plan, right? And, 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 and I miss the whole purpose of the workshop because I'm too busy trying to get out of the workshop. I want you to know that you don't run through the wilderness. You can't skip out on the wilderness. When you run through the wilderness, the worst thing is you'll get more lost. You'll use up all your energy. You'll get hurt. And you won't discover what God wants you to discover. You know, if you think about the Old Testament and Moses, you know, if Moses had had GPS, if Moses would have had the technology we had, he would have known that if you would have gone north out of Egypt, you could have missed the Red Sea, you could have missed uh, the rivers, and you could have made it to the promised land in two weeks. Two weeks, you could have got there. But instead, God, in his GPS, led Moses and the people of Israel across the Red Sea, across the rivers for 40 years. And why for 40 years? Because they weren't ready for the promised land. They weren't ready for the promised land. And God knew that if they got there too quick, they would never be able to conquer what they needed to conquer. And my friends, if you rush the wilderness that God perhaps has led you into, you will never conquer what God wants you to conquer. You'll never become the man or the woman that God wants you to be. Again, Joseph spent 13 years in Potiphar's house and in prison because God was preparing him for his future. But most of us say, why is this taking so long? Why? Because God's changing your heart. God is making your heart hungry for him. And one of the reasons I believe that we don't see miracles is we don't wait on miracles. We're in too big of a hurry to solve our own problems, to find our own way that we miss out on the miracles of God. Now, because Jesus, God led the children of Israel through the wilderness, they saw all kinds of miracles. They saw this manna that nobody had ever seen before, and God provided for them food. You know, I love the fascinating story of, of the quail, you know, and how God sent the wind and the, and the quail came. So many quail that they got tired of eating quail. And some of you like to brag about going and shooting birds and killing all these birds and stuff. And I'm not a bird hunter. But I, like, I, I love to eat birds. But it, 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 what you've done, what I've done, a little bit I've done, pales in comparison to what God did when he sent those quail to provide for his people. You know, there was like, you know, six million of them, right? And they had more quail than they knew what to do with. They had more manna than they knew what to do with. And sometimes when we rush through the wilderness, we miss the miracles of what God wants to do. There'll be hard lessons to learn in the wilderness. It's where we come to the end of ourselves. It's where our idols get exposed. It's where we learn to deny ourselves. 
and begin to stay away from the things that bring us harm. It's a workshop. Now, I was, shared this with the men on Friday morning as we try to define and see the workshop that is the wilderness. These words from Zach Williams in his song, when I cannot find the words, when I can barely breathe, I'm falling on my knees and say, heaven help me. When I can't feel you're near and I can't hear you speak, I fall on my knees and say, heaven help me. Because I can't walk this road alone. I can't do this on my own. Just tell me that you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I know you have a plan, so Lord, help me. See, when you're in the wilderness, you got to get on your knees and say, God, I don't know the way out. I don't know how to do this. Just help me, and our God will show up. You know, the wilderness is a place of hunger to awaken a humble heart. My friends, the wilderness is to give us a humble heart, not a prideful heart, but a humble heart. There's this connection between hunger and humility in our hearts. And God leads us into the wilderness sometimes, not because he doesn't know our hearts. I love this word. Not because God doesn't know our hearts, but because we don't know our hearts. We think we've got it all figured out. I got this. I can handle this. I'm right with God. No, you're not. You just think you are. And God's going to put you in a place where your heart is exposed where your heart becomes hungry, thirsting, needing the things of God. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and they will be satisfied. You know, sometimes we make the mistake that we can save ourselves. If I just go to church occasionally, if I get out my Bible and read it occasionally, if I try to do good things, if I'm nice to people, I don't, I don't say a lot of bad words, uh, I, can, I can save myself. And in the wilderness, you discover that you can't save yourself, that only God can save you. The wilderness breaks us from ourself, so we put all of our trust in his grace and we give him all the glory. In the wilderness, we see our weaknesses and begin to trust in God's provision, that God has the power to provide in plenty and in scarcity. Now, during this Lenten season, these 40 days leading up to Easter, it's a time whenever some of us, many of us, practice the discipline of fasting. I want to ask you to raise your hand on what you, if you're fasting. Some of you, uh, of us have tried, and we may have already failed in fasting. You can still start over, you know. You don't have to say, oh, I messed up, I'm done. No, it's, it's a work in progress, right? So... Fasting is a, is a way of exposing our hearts. It, 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 it tunes us in to the things of God because in our hunger, we realize that I'm doing this for God and God is doing something in me that food can't do. The reality is, is that we use food not for substance. We use food to make us feel better. How many of you find yourself eating after your feelings have been hurt or you feel dejected or you feel defeated and you go to the cabinet and that chocolate really tastes good, right? And, and, and not just a few morsels, but let's just eat the whole bag, you know, because I deserve it, you know. I've had a bad day. And, and what 
the Lord wants us to know in our hunger, in our emptiness, is to fill ourselves with him. It is not by bread, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God will sustain us and will fill us. That's why we fast. He reminds us that in our hunger, that there's something better than this food. Nothing wrong with food. I mean, we couldn't survive without food, right? But if food is how you're surviving and only how you're surviving, one, you're not going to survive very long, and two, you're going to be miserable most of the time. But God wants to fill you with his manna, his life, his bread. Now, in closing, I want to just say this this morning, that wisdom in the wilderness will guide us to the promised land. Wisdom in the wilderness will guide us to the promised land. When we humble ourselves before the Lord, we are on the right path. You know, on Friday mornings, I meet with, uh, this past Friday, we had about 80 men all together, I think, online and in the room. Love for you to come join us. Meet at 645 in the uh, uh, student room. And one of the reasons we come together to pray as men is because we are admitting that we can't do it ourselves. We're admitting that Sunday morning won't happen at Mount Horeb like it could happen if we don't pray. We're admitting that, that this youth weekend we just had, best weekend ever, would not be nearly as important in the life of students had we not come together and prayed. Now, prayer is a sign of humility, not of rescue, but God, I need you. God, we need you. And if this church ever stops praying, God help us. Because everything that we have done here in this church is because this is a prayer-driven church. But it's from a place of humility, not pride. We need you. Bless what we're doing. You know, they say that death is the great equalizer. That death is the great humbler. No matter how rich you are, how poor you are, how strong you are, how weak you are, how popular you are, how unpopular you are, one day all of us are going to be buried six feet below the dirt. It is the great humbler. And if we are so full of pride that we don't need God in our life, then we are going to spend eternity apart from God. But when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and believe in him, we cannot fear death. We've got to humble ourselves to receive his, his gift. I love this statement. When we've received Christ, we know that when we leave the land of the living, we do not go to the land of the dying. Instead, we leave the land of the dying, and praise be to God, we go to the land of the living, right? But you'll never get there if you go your way. You'll never get there unless you go God's way. So some wisdom for you in the wilderness. Know that the promised land is on the other side of the wilderness. I want to give you just real quickly four things. If rebellion has led you into the wilderness, if you're in rebellion against God right now, you've, you're doing your own thing, here's the wisdom for you is remember God and return to God and repent. If you've abandoned your belief in God, given up on God, remember his faithfulness and turn around and follow him. That's what repentance means. Repentance doesn't mean, God, I'm sorry, I got on the wrong path. 
Repentance means, no, God, I want to turn and go a different direction. I want to leave the wilderness behind and follow you. Secondly, if you find yourself in the wilderness, you're going to need to have reliance, not on yourself, but learn to rely on God. And you'll learn what God has planned for you. Reliance on God. If you want to read about reliance, go read some of the books by Corey Tinboom. Corey Tinboom spent several years, her and her sister, in the Nazi concentration camp with her fellow Jewish brothers and sisters who she saw all of them die. And somehow she survived. And she made this statement You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. That means we need to learn reliance. I'm not a prophet, but I know in my heart that if we don't turn back to God, we're going to find that statement to be truer than ever. That you will never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And then three, you need some resolve to finish the course, to finish the race, to finish your purpose on the earth. I believe that Jesus gained resolve in the wilderness. He faced evil head on. And through scripture, he defeated evil. And he, and he said, all right, I'm going to go do this mission to be the savior of the world. He, he resolved himself to finish the course. It is in the wilderness that we make the decision, I'm going to do this. I'm going to trust God now. I'm going to walk with God. And I'm going to take what God has taught me in the wilderness and go and change the world. And one other thing about resolve, when you find yourself in the wilderness and, and you're following God, people that are lost in the wilderness are going to look to you for the way out. If you know the way out through God, they're going to follow you out of the wilderness. So use your example. Don't be a grumbler or a complainer in the wilderness. Do this, finally. Revere God in the wilderness. Revere means to honor, worship, adore the one true God. Worship God in the wilderness. When the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, they always carried the tabernacle with them. Everywhere they went, they worshiped God. No matter how rough the wilderness got, they worshiped God. I want to invite you this morning to worship in the wilderness. Praise God. Rejoice God. Rejoice that God's thoughts are not your thoughts. That God's ways, thanks be to God, are not your ways. And you want to follow God's ways, not your ways. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Revere God, resolve to finish, rely on him, and repentance. Certain piano manufacturers have learned to use wood selected from trees that withstand violent storms and winds. They want wood that has the tensile strength based on how much they've been blown around, how much they've been bent by harsh winds and storms, by the weather. And they know that the best music is produced from pianos that come from trees that weather the toughest storms. And I would say to you, church, that the believers and followers of Jesus Christ who make the biggest difference are those who weather 
the toughest storms, who those who weather the most difficult wildernesses. You come out on the other side strong. You come out on the other side with a purpose and a testimony and a story. Many, many times as I've talked to people that are in the wilderness and they don't know what to do, they don't know what to do next, I say, God is going to use this to give you a testimony. God is going to use this to give you a story and you're going to help others find their way out of this wilderness. So this morning, I want us to close with this prayer from James 1.5. So if you lack wisdom for the wilderness, will you pray this prayer with me? Will you read the scripture as a prayer? Let's, let's, let's say it together. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without criticism, and it will be given to him. God wants to give you wisdom in the wilderness. And over these next five weeks, we'll be looking at different ways that we can learn God's wisdom in the wilderness. But it starts with repentance. It starts with admitting, God, I've not been doing this your way. It, it, it goes from repentance to reliance. I've got to rely on God to show me his purpose. I've got to have the resolve and I've got to revere him. So let me pray for you as we pray for wisdom, as we get ready to sing our closing song. Father God, I thank you that you're here with us right now. You're with everyone watching online, wherever they are. And Lord, you know where we're at. You haven't left us alone. You know that we're wandering some in the wilderness of rebellion. Some are wandering in the wilderness of COVID. Some are wandering in the wilderness of grief. There have been some things that have happened to us that was not our fault, and it put us in a tailspin, and we've been in a wilderness. And Lord, some of us are walking through a wilderness that you led us into by your Holy Spirit. Father, in all of this, may we find our strength in you. May we listen to your voice. May we allow you to fill our hunger with the living bread. May you quench our souls. May you be our refuge. May you be our rock. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.